Hey everyone, Ben here. Just a quick pre-show note. So this episode is an interview with Shreyas Doshi, who is a product manager at Stripe. And this was a great conversation, uh, but like many conversations, I think it kind of hit its stride a handful of minutes into the interview as we all kind of got warmed up and got to know each other a little bit. So uh, rather than start right at the beginning, I'm actually going to have um, our editors drop you in a little ways into the conversation uh, when things really get rolling. So please enjoy this episode with Shreyas Doshi. Shreyas, you have a Twitter thread that I loved about this thing you've said referred to as apple pie positions, which I think you defined as like, these are things that you might hear in a meeting or positions you might take that feel hard to criticize. Like they they seem rational and good and it's kind of like why would anyone question this but you were you were pointing out that like i think you were sounding a note of caution around these ideas and i wanted to to talk about a couple of them in particular and just kind of get your take on why maybe uh you want to be careful about some of these things so the the one that stood out to me was we need to define the success metrics for whatever the topic being discussed at the moment is why is that uh potentially a an apple pie position so an apple pie position is just like, it's like apple pie, right? Like it's just got to be good. And uh, my observation uh, over the years across many organizations has been that a lot of the damage uh, that organizations bring uh, onto themselves is rooted in people's desire to sound smart in meetings, Right. And this likely more applies to larger organizations. It would be a very clear red flag if a company of 10 has this <laughs> has this phenomenon going on. Um, but uh, it's extremely common once you get to hundreds and certainly uh, get to thousands or tens of thousands. It's the dominant thing that's on people's minds. What ends up then happening is uh, that uh, you get this kind of competition, sort of tragedy of the commons type situation (laughs) where people will just gravitate towards uh, saying things uh, that will make them appear smarter and more competent than their peers. So that's the general observation and the manifestation of like, we need to define the success metrics for whatever is being discussed is interesting because I've heard it so many times. And the way it plays out is, uh, let's say we have some process issue, right? Where like one team is working on something and the other team isn't aware, but they rely on the work of this this team. Uh, and so now we are discussing like, uh, you know, how do we solve this kind of process issue, this coordination issue? And let's say a proposal gets made, like, okay, from henceforth, uh, for these types of issues, we are going to like call a meeting and have a discussion and make sure there is buy-in, right? Now, if I wanted to appear smart, uh, and I've been quiet thus far, and I wanted to appear smart in this conversation, uh, I might just chime in with like, okay, all of that sounds great. Uh, I just want to make sure that uh, we are clear on the success metrics, because uh, we're adding this process And we need to ensure that it's for something and that we need to measure how useful or successful it is, right? When I say that, I put everybody else in a very awkward position, right? Because like they cannot push back on this position because asking for success metrics automatically elevates me. Uh, to a higher level, right? Like it, it, it makes me sound smarter. It makes makes me sound more thoughtful, more objective, more rigorous. 
so how can you object to it? Well, the fact is that you cannot go about collecting success metrics or defining success metrics for everything you do, right? Like at some point, like, yes, there are certain things where success metrics matter the most, but there are many other things we do where you use your instinct and you move on, right? And that's where an apple pie position like this can uh, derail the conversation, right? Where maybe there is an idea that is objectively a good idea that we reject because, I don't know, success metrics are harder uh, to define or that we waste time now. We, we waste time in this kind of reporting, right? Like where, oh, yes, Bob, that is an amazing point. Uh, here's what we're going to do. We are going to track the uh, time we spend on these meetings and we're going to track the efficacy of these decisions that we make, blah, 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 right? And so now all of a sudden you've created an organizational debt, right? Uh, which again, in some cases may make sense, but in many cases doesn't make sense. Um, so that's, that's how a lot of this kind of... Um, plays out in, especially again, in larger organizations uh, that uh, uh, where organizations end up sort of getting in their own way uh, because of this tendency of people to want to sound smart in meetings. Huh. Do you think that's like the biggest contributor to like slowing down as an organization grows? I haven't thought about that. It's unlikely that, that this is the biggest reason for uh, just slowing things down within an organization. Uh, I would say that it is it is one of the one of the challenges that it creates is that it um, it makes decisions less rigorous, right? So uh, so perhaps it's not so much about speed of execution as it impacts quality of decisions, right? Because Anytime you state an apple pie position and you kind of now factor that into the decision you make, you might have just made a suboptimal decision because of the apple pie position, right? For instance, it is perfectly fine, I think, to sometimes just use your instinct and just say, yes, I don't know if this is right or wrong. There's actually no way of knowing whether this is right or wrong or whether this is going to work. Uh, but here's the information we do have. And here are some hypotheses we have. And therefore, this is what we're going with for now, right? Uh, this kind of conversation is extremely uncommon <laughs> in larger organizations because mm. the moment you say that, it's easy for somebody to attack you with an apple pie position. Right. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, it's risky on your part. Apple pie positions are not risky. But to say, like, we're just going to go with my gut feeling on this and I might be wrong now you suddenly have you know the danger of being wrong and owning that yep yeah i mean certainty theater is a big issue right like in in especially in larger organizations but also in smaller organizations increasingly i'm seeing this kind of like uh being sure that what we are doing is exactly right right like and kind of expressing to each other that like what we're doing is exactly the right choice and again we can mathematically prove it when the fact is that when it comes to product stuff most of us have no idea how it's going to work out right but but we 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 like to pretend that we have complete idea and when something works we can magically explain it with pure logic exactly these were the decisions that i made or these are the contributions that i made that led to this success and when something doesn't work also we can explain magically uh, and precisely how 
external factors exactly contributed or conspired in this case uh, to result in the suboptimal or uh, failure outcome for us. While we're on this topic of slowing down as organizations get bigger, I feel like this from the outside, it seems like Stripe has done a really good job of con- like combating that. Like it seems like the organization keeps getting bigger and the pace of shipping things seems really high. Lots of new products, lots of improvements. Are there things that are in the organization culturally, values-wise, that you or even just practices that you feel like is, you know, you can point to that you think contribute to that? I think if you asked me or if you asked many people at Stripe, they would say, well, we could be going even faster, right? So I'll state that up front that like, you know, we we want to go faster because uh, our mission requires us uh, to go faster, right? We want to increase and grow the GDP of the internet. And we know that's uh, not going to be an overnight uh, accomplishment and it's going to take time, but we want to get there as quickly as possible, right? So the the fact that you and other people feel that is probably a huge contributor to why you're going fast. It's because you have that that sort of dissatisfaction with the speed, even if, even though it is pretty high. Yeah, and I think there is a certain kind of uh, energy that I feel uh, around uh, uh, both the energy and the cohesion around sort of uh, working towards this mission. That is really refreshing and kind of makes my job as a product person who's kind of like responsible for thinking about like, what do we, what's our strategy? How do we execute on it? How do we set up well for it? Uh, You know, how do we get uh, distribution for our products? It makes it much easier for me as a product person who's kind of responsible for these concerns because uh, there is that unification uh, across various functions and various teams I work with uh, towards that goal. Uh, So I think that's huge. The second thing is, uh, I think there's also just a lot of it can be attributed to uh, uh, the founders, right? So, you know, with uh, with our founders, we we hear constantly just uh, sort of why, you know, speed is important. Uh, and, uh, you know, they're talking to the company on a regular basis uh, about that. They're talking on a regular basis about it's And it's all customer focused, right? So I, I think that's another aspect, which is it's all grounded in, look, our customers need this, right? Like you look on Twitter or you look here or you look at support tickets, you know, our customers have this legitimate need and we are currently uh, not fulfilling that need as well as we should, right? And and so there is that kind of, I think the culture at Stripe creates greater intrinsic motivation to meet the customer's needs uh, in the most reasonable way we can uh, and as quickly as we can. Do you feel like having that infused into kind of the mission of the company is maybe the best way to combat that kind of certainty theater that you were talking about? Like people, because we consider this to be such a core value that we are willing to take more risks and and like potentially, you know, not always be certain that something's going to work out. Uh, Yeah, I mean, like at Stripe, you know, it's not uncommon to kind of hear, yeah, we're not quite sure how this is going to work out. Uh, We are making a decision based on the information we have. We could be wrong. And then let's evaluate, like, what is the cost of being wrong about this? So the, you know, the classic one-way, two-way door thing, right? Like, kind of evaluating that. And yeah, if this is a one-way door, then like, perhaps let's make the decision a little slower uh, than we would uh, normally. But if it's a two-way door, uh, let's proceed uh, with the facts that we do have. uh, And then we can adjust it later. 
Uh, one other thing I learned at Stripe that's related to uh, your point here, Derek, is uh, I finally started to understand the value of uh, the culture uh, at, uh, that a company sets um, and that the sort of, you know, begins with the founders, but then spreads to the company, um, which is I realized that, um, you know, most people on any mindset or behavioral trait or attribute they have the capacity to operate in a range on that attribute. Uh, say, take uh, energy, right, uh, or uh, humility, uh, or any other kind of trait, right? Like uh, my sort of uh, false impression before was, oh, people are at a point in the range, and that's what they operate at. What I learned, uh, having observed, uh, you know, the uh, the culture at Stripe and how it influences uh, my thinking and many other people's thinking, is that the culture actually sets the range in which you are expected or uh, hoped to operate, right? And so, so people find uh, the right spot. Uh, within that range, uh, once they are in that culture, right? Once they're in the substrate and assuming they're self-aware and assuming they're observant about the culture and expectations, then they can just naturally find the right place to be, right? So you you can take a sense of urgency, right? Like I may come from an environment where maybe the sense of urgency is kind of set at a lower end of the it's a, it's a lower end of the range. But now if I'm in an environment where the sense of urgency is at the higher end, um, you know, I might all of a sudden realize that, uh, yeah, actually I can operate in sort of the higher end of the range uh, and I'll go ahead and do so. Um, and, and so uh, so that changed my perspective just around just how vital uh, setting the culture and repeating uh, that, uh, not just with words, but uh, with actual actions and kind of living it um, uh, from the founders to the executives to all the leaders is just so vital. I love that. Are there other things that stand out as like you hear a lot or see demonstrated a lot that kind of you feel like feed into that that goodness? Uh, you, mean at, that? you mean at uh, Stripe? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, look, one, one other uh, tool I learned about very early on um, at Stripe um, uh, it's a very simple tool. Uh, what are you really trying to do? And so it was abbreviated as W-A-Y-R-T-T-D. At least back then, this is more than five years ago, it was part of some lexicon. And I first encountered it there uh, at Stripe. Um, and so I hadn't encountered it on the internet before. And so it's like, oh, what is this? What are you really trying to do? Uh, and then I saw it in action, right? Where like, I might ask a question to a colleague, like, hey, how does this interaction with, between these two systems work? So that's the stated question. And maybe my colleague might ask, well, what are you really trying to do? It's like, oh, thank you for asking that question. What I'm really trying to do is this, right? And then we have a conversation because of that prompt, which made me realize my, my the premise of my original question was like absolutely incorrect, right? And, and so now we've kind of like collectively landed in a better place because all they did was ask me a simple question, which is what are you really trying to do? So... When I saw that in action in my first month at Stripe, I, I really sort of like it was uh, one of those kind of really, um, you know, epiphanies for me uh, around sort of clarity of thought and how I think about things. And so one of the things I've then tried to do and benefited from a lot is just like 
I ask myself that question because why do I need anybody else to ask me that question? Um, so when I get an instinct, I say, okay, what are you really trying to do? Uh, and it turns out that like so many situations, if you just ask yourself, what is the real goal? What are you really trying to do? Uh, all of a sudden, they actually become much clearer. I love that because that's like something that you sort of learn as you're like trying to interview customers and figure out, you know, get to the root of something with them. It's like customers will always talk to you in language where they're asking for a specific feature or something. And, and that's a really great succinct question to ask. What are you really trying to do? So you can actually get to the root of it and then you can put your product person hat on and actually come up with a solution. And I love like the thought of even turning that towards internal discussions as well. Um, that makes a ton of sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are, sometimes the trouble is as product people, we try to give, we we try to give customers what they want when we ought to really be thinking about what they need, uh, and and then give them what they want. It's interesting to me thinking about this the speed thing that we were talking about just a little while ago of like, how does Stripe ship things quickly? And it's like, well, we try to ship things quickly. It's like it's it's surprising how much just like deciding you care about that and paying attention to that and modeling it and incentivizing it and you know pushing people in that direction can just like it's like well no no what's the secret for shipping fast it's like well <laughs> maybe it's just trying like it's just caring about that deciding that's a value a thing that you that you uh, care about yep you know one of my favorite um, sort of uh, anecdotes is uh, this question, will it make the boat go faster? Uh, have you mm-hmm. heard about that? Yeah, but please go ahead and lay it out, please. Uh, yeah, so it's this simple question. It was, um, uh, the the background is the British rowing team and maybe some other rowing teams before that. But uh, how I encountered is, is Ben Hunt Davis has this short YouTube video. He was on a British rowing team that uh, in uh, at the 2000 Sydney Olympics and they basically apparently had little chance of winning at the sort of men's eight rowing event uh, and uh, they ended up winning the gold uh, and uh, you know the story goes that uh, there's one question that they consistently asked themselves as they were preparing for the Olympics and that was uh, will it make, make the boat go faster so and they applied it to almost everything, right? So for instance, like, should I do this workout for 70 minutes? Uh, will it make the boat go faster? Uh, should we go to the pub tonight? Will it make the boat go faster? Should we get eggs for breakfast? Will it make the boat go faster? So that's just like focus, uh, not so much on the goal, right? Like the, it, they did not ask, uh, will it help us win the gold medal, right? Because that's the goal, that's the outcome, what they were fixated on is the uh, is the is the process, the thing they can control, which is making the boat go faster, right? Uh, and so, so I think it's important for our teams and for leaders and for companies uh, to uh, have clarity on what is their kind of will it make the boat go faster question, right? Like, is it will it get us to product market fit faster? Uh, but that's even not a very well framed question because that's still reliant on some other factors but like it's mostly controlled by you um uh, or will it uh, help solve the infrastructure issues uh, that our customers are seeing or whatever right like so have clarity on what that what your will it make the boat go faster goal is uh, or question is uh, 
and then um, ask that question often. Um, and sometimes maybe that question is, uh, you know, will it make us uh, ship things faster? <laughs> Assuming they're the right things to ship, of course. Uh, and then maybe ask yourself that question anytime you're making a decision. So, uh, so I found that to be useful as a, a as a leader of teams and just like having that clarity. Yeah, I feel com- a bit convicted on this one that I think Ben and I were having a discussion a couple of weeks ago where we were talking about like, well, are, are you a support focused company or a customer focused company? Like sort of along those lines of what we were talking about earlier. Um, on this call, and it's difficult to contend with the fact that you kind of have to pick your area of focus. Because ideally, I would want you know, if I was asked, "Are you customer focused or product focused?" I would want to say both. But you, you like can't, you can't have too many split focuses. Is kind of one lesson that's falling out of this for me. So to say you're not, to say you're product focused and not customer focused, doesn't mean you don't care about customers. But but it's an orientation kind of around where you know what are that what are those central questions you keep coming back to, right? For sure. And it's amazing how uh, those types of choices, whether we make them implicitly, which I think 90% of the times they are made implicitly uh, or explicitly, they make such a huge difference. Uh, so take the example, say uh, there's a B2B company, uh, B2B software company that uh, decides that they're going to be customer focused, right? Because like uh, that sounds like the right thing. It almost sounds like an apple pie position. It's like, okay, who's going to fault you being customer focused? Well, all of a sudden, if you're targeting enterprises as your core target segment, over time, you are going to become a sales-focused company. Um, just naturally, like nine out of 10 cases, that's what's going to happen, right? Uh, which may also be fine. They're very, very successful companies <laughs> in the technology space that are extremely sales-focused or primarily sales-focused. Um, and uh, so again, it doesn't preclude financial success. Uh, but it creates a different product. It creates a different product as a company. It creates a different product as the actual pixels on the screen uh, than if you said you were a product-focused company. All right. I want to uh, start wrapping up, but there's one more thing I wanted to cover, uh, which is a tweet that you wrote that I really love, which is a sensible null hypothesis for B2B products is that the customer doesn't really need your product, will not pay for it, and will not deploy or use it. And like, I just... I think I will always love this. It's just like, it's, I think I've seen so many people and it's just so natural and so easy to be like, oh, people are going to be really excited about this thing I've made for them. Like I'm solving this problem or like I'm going to improve their lives in this way. And I love this idea of like, what if you just started from the idea that like, no, they don't really need it. They're not going to pay for it. They won't actually use it. And you seek to prove that that is wrong with evidence. I just I love that like orientation and framing and said that I think that tweet should be printed out and engraved on something. Thank you. Uh, yeah, it's uh, uh, one of my just broader observations. Having done product work uh, for several years, has been um, you know we all like to think we we are we have smart teams, uh, and certainly these days we are well resourced in the sense we have enough money uh, to do what we want to do as a startup or a larger company for the most part. Um, and, and one of the central questions that I've been trying to answer as a product person over the years uh, is, why is it that smart, well-resourced teams or companies still uh, fail at producing successful products, right? Like, why is it that that happens? Unlike, uh, you know, what you might read in many places, at least my, my sort of current thinking on this is that it has little to do with... Uh, intelligence and uh, a lot to do with wisdom, right? Which is we tend uh, to 
fall prey to uh, cognitive biases uh, that uh, get in the way of uh, good strategic decisions and good execution decisions. And when that happens, we cannot achieve uh, our potential as a company or as a team. And so this null hypothesis is a useful kind of place to ground us, which is, uh, okay, so it's a given that whatever idea we come up with is not going to work, right? So so now let's figure out, you know, so now, now we don't have any ego associated with this idea that we may have. Uh, and so now let, let's figure out what is actually the bigger problem, right? We might be solving a problem, but are we solving the big problem for our users? Which is often the problem with uh, B2B product discoveries. Yes, you solved a problem, but it wasn't a high priority enough problem uh, for it to move, move the needle for enough customers over time. So I think that's really important. Hmm. Awesome. Well, I think it's a great, a great place to leave it. Shreyas, thanks for coming on the podcast. I, it, was, it was great chatting with you. It was a blast. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, do, is there anywhere you want to point folks to to read more about you or anything like that? What, do you, what would you like to plug? Uh, two plugs. Uh, one is uh, just uh, f- uh, follow me on Twitter uh, if you're interested in this type of uh, content. Um, I am just at Shreyas, at S-H-R-E-Y-A-S. Uh, any folks, uh, product folks, uh, engineers, designers, etc., listening, uh, if you're uh, looking uh, for your next role, uh, stripe.com slash jobs. Check that out and uh, see if there's something uh, that looks interesting. And there probably is. I think there's at least four figures of jobs posted on that page currently. <laughs> it's quite a few. Amazing. Yeah. All right, Derek, uh, notes of the show? Notes of the show can be found at artofproductpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. See ya. Bye.